Welcome, True Believer Readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, this guy's eyes are as glazed as a couple of Hostess cupcakes, and I get by with a little help from my webs. Here to provide analysis for those lines and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing well. Uh, it sounds like you've been reading the ads between some of the pages there, James B. Uh, how are you feeling? Like a Hostess Cupcake? Okay, to be fair, the Hostess Cupcake reference is in the... <laughs> it's, you know, it's in the regular book. It's not a commercial. It is. It's true. But, but Pro- product placement, though. <laughs> well, he's fighting villains that are kind of like the villains he would fight in a Hostess Cupcake thing. So this is a, <laughs> this is a canon line, but it... I think he's poking fun at the his own like you know plot line there, Eddie. In our last Marvel Team Up podcast, which is four episodes ago, it's Let's Read Spider Man one sixty two. We covered seven books, Whew. ending with the Falcon and Red Wing working with Spider Man to break up the Street Watchers. But we liked Paladin's uh, mercenary antics and seeing Dazzler again in Marvel Team Up one hundred nine. Yeah, let's hope for uh, some surprises like that in this group, starting with. From March of 1982, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 115 featuring Spider-Man and Thor in Dichotomies by J.M. DeMatteis, Herb Trimp, and Mike Esposito. Fun fact, it's going to be the same three guys in all four books today. All right. Consistency. Peter Parker is photographing a highly publicized surgery of a, quote, bag lady when Meru, the mindbender, shows up and attempts to attack the patient. Spidey quickly arrives and Meru finds himself too weak to trade blows so he zaps Spidey's mind causing Spidey to second guess why he should be a superhero at all Spidey flees but unfortunately for Meru the surgeon is a Dr. Donald Blake and with a slam of his walking stick on the floor Thor arrives Thor is far too much for Meru and he hightails it out of there Meru the Mindbender is not human. He's a muscular pink version of the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> He's calling the patient a witch, so there must be more to her than meets the eye, Eddie. Ah, eventually. Meru the Mindbender returns on what could be described as a flying surfboard with lasers attempting to reach the bag lady from earlier, but Thor crosses his path. Thor is also zapped by Meru's psychic beam and suddenly becomes the bumbling Dr. Blake, but within Thor's body. As Meru is about to throw Thor off the World Trade Center, Spidey, whose mind has healed from earlier, saves him. A big part of this book is if Peter, now that he's been zapped with the beam, should quit being Spider-Man. Like, is that how he really feels or just because of being zapped? Peter is about to quit, and then he says... Like, the devil, it won't. Like, instead of saying the H word, you know, it's the second, they could have said H E double hockey six, you know, but they keep saying the devil. Um, they do use the word hell later, so I don't know what the 1980 rules were for comics. Um, but speaking of the devil and Jesus, happy Easter, dude! Happy Easter, James B. Let me tell you what happens at the end of this book. Together, uh, Thor and Spidey battle Meru until the bag lady shows up and turns out to be 
Dahlia the Shapechanger, a witch from a lower caste of Haif people living on the moon Sharon, which was ruled by Meru's people. Got that, James B? <laughs> I just know that that moon Sharon, uh, that's the same name for the half-black, half-white character uh, from Star Trek. Like, they're literally divided down the middle, like the color oh. black and white, like, you know, like white, like the absolute color is black and white, not like a black and white, like human, you know? Yes. Um, but, hey, uh, Eddie, apparently it says that Meru took Dahlia off-world to save her from the Holocaust, but she said that she loved him and she was trying to keep him safe. That's why they went off-world. <laughs> the heroes don't hear this conversation at all, though, which is something <laughs> I enjoyed about this book. They didn't be like, usually they have it, and then the heroes are like, whoa, well, they found true love. But the heroes are like, I have no idea what they're saying over there. So it's kind of weird. Um, uh, the two Hafes fight with Thor and Spider-Man, kind of involved, but also very confused by the aliens. <laughs> Eventually, Meru and Dahlia incinerate each other into oddly intertwined vapors, leaving our heroes, and me, confused. <laughs> Notable moment, Dr. Blake, who is Thor, tells the patient that she saved his life since he's been sitting on his hands since losing his job. I guess Peter isn't the only hero with financial troubles. Uh, Marvel TMs never failed to take us somewhere we didn't expect. When I assumed the bag lady was going to become something, we really went into left field with this whole moon and people and from different casts of people on the moon. All right. <laughs> yeah, and I got to tell you, like, usually we'll do a Marvel team up. We'll bang through this thing in one summary a notable moment, a sound effect, and we move on. But these books are a little more involved, and I wanted to give them a little more love, but they're still kind of wacky. Yeah, I, yeah, a lot of this was, book was really quite well done. And Eddie, both the books we're doing today are two two-parters. Did yes, you know that? correct. It's true. Well, the, yeah, the second part is from April of 1982. Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 116 featuring Spider-Man and Valkyrie in Between Sword and Hammer by the same trio of Dimitrius, Trimp, and Esposito. Valkyrie is out saving citizens when the intertwined vapors of Meru and Dahlia from the end of the previous book absorb into Valkyrie's sword. This muddles her mind when Spidey flirtatiously swings over for a chat. Valkyrie whacks him. A fight ensues, and Spidey realizes something is wrong with her. He heads over to Doctor Strange's place, but he's not home, and all Wong can offer him is a cup of tea. Valkyrie was a member of the Defenders, which part of me isn't sure if this is actually a group right now. I get confused. If they, at some point, they're going to break up for sure. But uh, she wears a blue cape, if you don't know that. And she has some breastplate armor, like a blonde female Viking D&D character. But her arms and legs are completely exposed to skin, which is not that practical. So she flies around on a Pegasus, uses a sword. The sword is currently possessed which allows for that prerequisite hero fight, right. which yes. we didn't actually get last issue, by the way. Oh, that's true, Thor and Spidey. Wow. Well, in the end, Valkyrie attacks Spidey again, and when Thor sees the Asgardian under attack, he attacks Spidey. Yeah, we, we get it finally. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just blending two books together. They all eventually figure out the sword was possessed, and so Thor breaks the sword with his hammer and sends the evil alien vapors to another dimension 
Notable moment, Thor and Valkyrie are making out on page 19. Spider-Man is in the background flying by on the sword, yelling for help in three panels. And I quote, he says, hey guys. Then he says, Thor. Then he says, oh, for crying out loud. Yes, James B. Spidey wrestles the possessed sword out of Valkyrie's hand and it flies him around. It actually, it also tries to stab him. And and the sword, like, tells him it's going to drag him to his doom. You know? Yeah, and they're ignoring him because Thor knows that, like, his memory and Valkyrie's memory were erased. He knows they were lovers long ago in Asgard, so he figures, hey, I might as well just go for it now. And she doesn't seem to mind. So... Um, Eddie, Valkyrie flies around on a big white pegasus called Aragon. Uh, There's a big white rabbit who hides eggs around children's yards. Uh, Happy Easter, Eddie. Your ability to tie these books into our holidays, James B., is just so very impressive. (laughs) And, and, And listeners... You don't know that I snuck all these things in late, so Eddie didn't know. Be hey, we could today. say Easter eggs for me. <laughs> Checkmate. Dad jokes abound. <laughs> From May of 1982, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 117, featuring Spider-Man and Wolverine in Sense and Senses by the same three guys, Dimitrius Chimp and Esposito. Wolverine is practicing his stalking skills on a buck in the forest when an army of automatic rifle-wielding legionnaires on horseback attack him. (laughs) It takes me a minute to absorb that thought there. Um, He's gassed and taken to a shadowy leader's hideout. While chortling about the city, Spidey is attacked by an army of legionnaires piloting hovercars. Spidey tags one with a Spidey tracer and hides until the fleet goes away. There's like 30 cars, too, by the way, (laughs) looking for him. Hey, these Legionnaires look, and they're supposed to look completely out of place with machine guns and hover cars and dressed as Roman Legionnaires. Like, they don't look, it's as goofy as it sounds. You think you're at Las Vegas at Caesar's Palace or something goofy. But listeners, Eddie neglected to tell you that Spider-Man is supposed to be, as Peter Parker, on a double date with that guy, Roger Hotchberg, who was being picked on at the party a few episodes ago. Roger has a date, and Peter's date is Marcy Kane. Oh. And since you're never going to cover this, I don't know, This is you were a little sleepy on this, on this one book. He's going to miss his date with Marcy, which might come back in the oh. future. He's going to be like, oh, I can't go on my date with Marcy now. And, and she, he kind of stands her up. So It's true. Uh, I was far too distracted by these legionnaires, which I think they actually refer to as centurions, but these are kind of the same well, same idea here. Yes, as you're focused on the legionnaires, I want to mention that I'm looking forward to getting to the Peter Parker books because, you know, we can't cover the books exactly one at a time. Uh, um, I'm curious if he's supposed to be dating Marcy in those books and somebody's like, hey, who's he dating now? And they're like, Marcy Kane. Oh, so that might be a spoiler for what comes up in oh. uh, Let's Read Spider-Man 168. I don't know. I I. Yeah, we got to this book first in May of 82. Who knows what's going on in that storyline? <laughs> well, Spidey traces the Legionnaires to a castle filled with booby traps and finds Wolverine inside fighting the robotic Romans. <laughs> the Legionnaires are humans, by the way. The Romans inside this castle are robots. <laughs> that, oh, okay. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> the, the hero learns the master, who is speaking through a giant robot, 
is giving them a choice to save a nearby prison's inhabitants from being killed or to follow a map to the master. Yeah, and I made a note here. Again, this book was not your strongest in the summary. I, you know, you do a great job all the time, but not in this one. So, Eddie, what happens here is he gives them three choices. He says, you can oh. follow this map to me to get me. He goes, I'm also going to destroy and kill everyone in a prison with some okay. gas. And I'm going to also invade this town a few miles away and destroy oh, it. Okay. So what happens is Spider-Man's like, well, we got to save these people. And he goes, I'll go save the town. He goes, you go get the prisoners. And, and Wolverine's like, we can let the prisoners die, he says. I'm going to go <laughs> stop the thing. And Spider-Man's like, what do you mean? He's like, they're, we can't let them die. He's like, hey, there's no one good in the prison. And he goes, well, I'm off. And then Wolverine's like, to save the people in the city? He goes, nope, I'm off to the prison. And Wolverine's like, "Urg!" And it forces Wolverine to go to the city because Spider-Man's going to go save the prisoners. But it really shows Wolverine is not a, as good as Spider-Man here at all. Yeah, thank you, James B. Um, yeah. As you said, Spidey saves the prisoners while Wolverine knocks some Roman heads to save the town. Yep. In the end, we see the master, Professor Power, lecturing his legionnaire army ominously about the heroes. Notable moment, speaking of Romans, Easter is a Christian festival and... <laughs> cultural holiday commemorating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead described in the New Testament as having occurred on the third day of his burial following his crucifixion by the Romans at Calvary 30 AD. Oh. Uh, happy Easter, Eddie. A light, a light thought for us there, James B. Thank you. <laughs> Got to work with what I can. <laughs> Got to work with what I can. Okay. Get anything else on this one because it's a two-parter. Can we keep going? Yeah, let's let's finish it up. Maybe we can chat about both. All right. From June of 1982, Stanley presents Marvel Team Up 118 featuring Spider-Man and Professor X in Meeting of the Minds by Dematteis Chimp and Mike Esposito. Spidey and Wolverine are working out in the danger room at X-Men headquarters when Professor X tells Wolverine he has poor manners. <laughs> Spidey is tired and Wolverine should have served him some breakfast first. <laughs> Professor X departs for Anthony Powers' private estate and Spidey, seeing a free ride home, sneaks on top of the roof of the car as it drives off. When they arrive at the mansion, Spidey's sense pings. And when he sneaks into the estate, he's attacked by more Roman legionnaires. Meanwhile, Professor X has been tricked into helping Anthony Powers' son. Powers, driven mad because his son was injured and comatose from war, engages a computer and Professor X begins to have his powers sucked out of him by Mentallo. Okay, so just so everyone can follow, Anthony Powers is just a man who also happened to invite Professor X to his house. Um, his son is damaged goods. But the reason he invited Professor X, I think, is because he has Mentallo there, who's a villain. He's like lying on a bed in the room, and then he can battle Professor X. They can do like mind battles, while Spider Man can face off against a paste pot Pete lookalike called Mr. Fix or the Fixer. He's like an all green costume, like a dark forest green color costume and has different gadgets as opposed to just like a paste pot beat gun. Before Spider-Man can help the professor, he has to fight the Fixer 
Professor X eventually defeats Metallo on his own, shattering the machine and any hope of powers to heal his comatose son. Uh, at the end of this book, we see Professor X project a calm scene for the police when they arrive. Uh, I never thought about it before, but Professor X knows who's, knows Spider-Man's secret identity. That's Peter Parker sitting at the table, right? Yeah, I agree. Although Spider-Man doesn't see the image, so he might not know, like, the professor, the professor knows. knows it. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, I didn't slip in a... Uh... A notable moment. Real quick, notable moment. Speaking of the professor's big bald head, in the medieval period, eating eggs was forbidden during Lent, the 40 days before Easter. So on Easter Sunday, tucking an egg and chewing on it was a real treat. Thank you, James B. Happy Easter. Did you know that, by the way, that eating eggs is a treat? <laughs> I did. I had no idea that eating eggs was a forbidden treat during Lent. <laughs> Nothing you didn't know about is that it's time for our sponsor. You ready, Eddie? Totally. All right. Well, do you love toys? Well, the Tinkerer has gathered three Marvel villains. I mean, um, sorry, Marvel team-up experts helped design the newest line of Marvel team-up action <laughs> figures. The monster creator, you haven't seen this guy in forever, Baron Ludwig von Strump. The Mad Thinker and the Puppet Master. I mean, they're busy making toys, right? Let's be honest. That's, <laughs> that's why we haven't seen That's them. why, yeah. Yeah. They have lent their experience, <laughs> their, exper- <laughs> their expertise to create the toys kids want to play with and collectors want to collect. <laughs> this 15th set has four figures from this classic run of four books, all by the same trio of Dematteis, Chimp, and Esposito. This set includes, for Marvel Team-Up 115, it's Dahlia the Shape Changer in her old woman disguise. <laughs> we don't even get the alien with the bug eyes? All right, all right. For Marvel Team-Ups 116, it's Aragorn, Valkyrie's Pegasus. Well, cool, but missing an important part of Valkyrie and Pegasus. <laughs> well, you can fly around on it with your Marvel Team-Up 117 figure. It's Roger Hotchberg. <laughs> How does that guy make the cut? He's he's just a dude. <laughs> These are all main characters from the book. All of them. And you know, you know I'm right. This is what happens when we put Baron Ludwig von Strumpf in charge. A guy we haven't seen for, what, 100 books? <laughs> 200 books that we've read ago. <laughs> Premium figure from Marvel Team Up 118, Anthony Powers. Okay, well, he's a villain. He's just a really, really boring, the most boring one possible, James B. He can go toe to toe with Roger Hotchberg. <laughs> on its, and the old and the old woman. I'll put Hotchberg on the Valkyrie and Powers will ride the old woman. <laughs> I guess. Okay. What'd you think of these books, Eddie? Uh, you know, Marvel team ups. I don't know about you, but like the outlandish aspect of Marvel team ups is kind of half or less than half of the story and then the other part of marvel team-ups which is like wolverine and spider-man and professor x and spider-man and particularly these last two it, like it's really interesting to see like the dynamic of how they treat each other like you said like wolverine was not concerned about the prisoners being gassed in the in the prison and that, that was really interesting to see some character building for both of them so i actually liked all four of these books quite a bit 
from our yeah, and books. Valkyrie when she's possessed because like whenever she holds the sword, she's possessed. Yes, you know, so then she it's can true. fight, and she looks like really evil. She's like, ah. yeah. and then the sword gets <laughs> right. The sword gets away from her, and then she gets like normal for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, when Spider Man's flying around with the sword, though, he doesn't turn evil. Weird, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's true. It's like out there. Well, to be fair, actually, all right, Meru said like he has only so much power to like zap people's minds. He keeps talking about like, well, I've rebuilt up my mind zapping power. So he zaps Thor later, but he can't do it like all the time. So perhaps he like zapped Valkyrie and then they didn't have enough juice for Spider-Man. Got it. Hey, James B. Next pod, we're back to the amazing Spider-Man and my favorite 80s era villain is in there. You want to guess who it is? I have to guess who your 80s era villain is. My favorite one so far. It uh, really, it's like late 70s, early 80s, I guess, since we're not too far into I the have, 80s. I have no idea. Uh, it's the black cat. Oh, you know what? When I read this, I was thinking it was a black cat, but I don't consider her a villain. That's my problem. Well, that's the thing. She's kind of a villain. She could be a harsh word for her. Yeah, it's fine. Well, I guess we'll find out next pod if she's a villain or not. Eddie, how can people reach us? You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or on Twitter at letsreadspidey. And I'm James B. joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you have a guest over, it's polite to simply offer them breakfast, such as a coffee and a donut. Instead of trying to kill them in the danger room. Goodbye. Bye. Eddie, we're talking about Donald Blake, and remember how Donald Blake gets stuck in the body of Thor? Yes. You, you make it sound like he's like a bumbling Donald Blake. Isn't he like a surgeon? I, I Repeatedly, they like refer to him, like belittles him as a mere physician. <laughs> this guy's doing major surgery in an operating room that's being observed by the press. Donald Blake has to be one of the premier surgeons of New York under these circumstances, right? I, I like it, it's not like Peter Parker is suddenly there as you know Thor. <laughs> he at least has to be really smart, right? Right. And when Thor is taken down as Donald Blake, he's held above his head by this guy. And he's like, "You must bring me the woman. Bring him to this place, a place of my choosing, in one hour, or I will destroy Thor." <laughs> like, as if like. Oh no, we've captured Thor. What are we going to do? We'll have to bring the old woman to him. Like, can't he just go get the old woman now? If Thor is out of commission, right? Like, who's stopping him? Right? He should be like, I've taken. He should just kill Thor and go get the old woman. I, I don't even see. I don't even understand throwing Thor off the World Trade Center. We saw in what our annual from last pod that Thor is like a heavyweight, like up there with Hulk. I don't think this kills Thor at all. If you throw him off the World Trade Center, like he didn't need any saving. He's just going to fall and break through the concrete and. Be like, ooh, that was kind of hard. Well, what you have to remember is that it's not really Thor. It's Donald Blake in Thor's body. Think of it like Donald Blake in a Thor costume. Speaking of costumes, a lot of people dress up as giant bunnies to represent the Easter bunny. Happy Easter, Eddie. And happy Easter to all the listeners of Let's Read Spider-Man. <laughs> happy Easter.